welcome back to another episode of Let's Check In. I'm your host, Levine, a trainee clinical psychologist, and this podcast is all about my journey to and through the doctorate. We also talk about mental health, psychology, and general life. And today we'll be checking in with my previous mentor, Natalie, who helped me so much through the application season. Um, she was just really helpful all together with everything. Um, and we're just going to check in and talk a bit more about mentorship, um, the application, and just case basically what she's um doing now. So hi Natalie. Hi Levine, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi, yeah. So yeah, I kind of like briefly just said, obviously. You helped me a lot through the application season, but do you want to introduce yourself as just Natalie and who you are? Sure. Um, yeah, my name's Natalie. Um, I uh, I was your mentor for um, for a kind of a, a, a period that we were supposed to do and then beyond. Um, I'm so glad mm-hmm. we kept in touch. I, I, we started when I was a trainee. Um, I was at UCL um, as a trainee clinical psychologist, um, and that's how I got involved with the scheme. And I finally qualified um, and now I work in the NHS, um, actually as a clinical psychologist in a sexual health service. And that's the scheme, the scheme was the um, widening access scheme by UCL, um, which I'm not sure if it's still running actually. Oh yeah, it is still running um, uh, it's because I, I'm, I'm involved with it again. I think it's now changed, it's called the Valued Voices Scheme now. Um, but it's still being ah, run out of UCL. Brilliant. Yeah, because I know there was quite a few other kind of mentoring sh- um, schemes getting set up. Um, and I was trying mm. to find the one because I knew it as um, Widening Access and I couldn't really find it. So I guess it's just the name has changed. But that would be also really great if anyone's listening who wanted to get involved. Um, and is it still specifically from for people from um, minority groups? It is. Um, and I wonder whether uh, there's probably a link or something, I don't know, that we can put up on your page, Levine. Yeah. Um, for, for, that, for that particular scheme. I think there's an email address that people can can contact to get, um, you know, if they want to apply as a mentee. Yeah, great. I will do that. I'll put that in the show notes. But that was a really, really great um, experience for me. Um, I had Natalie, who was the trainee at the time. And then I had another lady who was a psychologist. But um, then she left the service, so she handed me over to someone else. Um, and she was a health psychologist, but she had done the clinical training. So it was really great to kind of meet other people in the field who were doing what I had wanted to do and things like that. And Nancy was really, really helpful. I've said this in another episode before, but Nancy was so helpful because not only did she help me with my application when I eventually got round to it, but she helped me with like um, job applications and things like that, um, which really basically helped me get to the doctorate bit because, you know, you need the experience. So I found the whole kind of mentoring thing amazing Um, and that's why I thought it would be really good to have an episode today to talk about you know mentoring why that's really important like why it's helpful and that sort of thing but Nestle we'll start with you what was your journey to psychology how did you even get into the whole field what made you want to become a clinical psychologist? Hmm. Um, Well I'll try and keep this brief because I could um, talk for a while because it was not a direct journey um so I started, I um, I studied law at university and became a lawyer, um, but but quite quickly decided I, it wasn't for me. There wasn't enough human interaction, basically, um, uh, working with people. I realised that that was what I was really interested in. Um, but as an aside, I have said I have so much respect for people like you who know what you want to do <laughs> so early on um, and, you know, have that self-awareness. So um, I wish I'd had that. But anyway, no, I didn't. So I was I was wondering what I wanted to go into and actually I had a in my personal life I had a, a really devastating breakup and um, ended up going to therapy myself and um, 
I was the cliche, I became a cliche. It was such a transformative experience working with this psychologist over a period of time, not immediately, but, it, you know, over the period of, of my course of therapy that I became that cliche at the end that I said, you know, when I plucked up the courage to, to tell my therapist, I want to become you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think probably didn't absolutely laugh in my face is probably why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Um yeah so, so that was that was kind of the, the the sort of introduction and of course it was a much longer journey than just me realizing that it was something that I was interested in and that I, that I might want to do myself wow and then after that experience he was like yep this is definitely what I want to do how did you um, like start getting like prepared because you said you trained as a lawyer so then what was the yeah so I I hadn't I didn't have um a graduate basis in psychology or anything um I'd never even thought of psychology as a you know as a a subject Mm -hmm. it just wasn't something that was on my horizon um so I you know I started doing the research and 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 sort of the more I read the more my heart sank about me realizing how long a journey it was going to be um but I kind of made a pact with myself I was I, I was really you know, I really thought that this might be something that would would hold my interest and would, would motivate me and that I'd find rewarding as a job. Um, and I kind of made a, a, a pat with myself earlier on that early on that I would try to enjoy the process um, yeah. and the journey and, and not yeah. not just be focusing on where I was trying to get to. Um, so I um, and, and you know, I have to I have to own how privileged I was to be in a position to have a job and to be able to do some voluntary work um mm. you know you may well have, have have talked about it before but it's just such yeah. a it's such a difficult um thing particularly to get your first um clinical yeah. experience and I was lucky yeah. enough to be a volunteer while I was working as a lawyer and while I was um studying for a for a master's the conversion course in psychology before even thinking about going on to to further training and the, the the clinical doctorate um well yeah no it's really um interesting what you said about the conversion because I know there's quite a few people who have kind of come to the realization that this is actually what they want to do later on and so they're having to convert and do the masters and everything um but I think the but the thing you said about enjoying the journey is really key Mm -hmm. because it can seem like oh my gosh I have to do a conversion and I have to do this and that and it feels like a really long thing but if you're actually enjoying what you're doing while you're doing it it kind of just feels like part of the flow it doesn't necessarily feel like you know this sprint to get to this end bit which I think is a key for me as well when I was like doing all the different pieces of experience it really does make it feel better like feel more worthwhile and it's a good way of sussing out you know how interested you are in it I mean it's a good test um obviously to you know (laughs) but also you know as soon as I started even the the undergraduate the conversion course it just suddenly started clicking and, and and I found it more interesting than anything I'd studied before um and and obviously you know different bits of experience and 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 different places that you work in you'll have you know better or worse experiences and it can't all be really rosy and yeah. there are times when you think what on earth am I doing and am I, am I ever going to get there but um but it's amazing when you think back and I'm sure you um you've reflected on the same you know how much you can learn along the way um so it's just keep that in mind um albeit that sometimes it can be um you're unsure about you know whether you're ever gonna get to where you want to be 
Yeah, no, that's really good advice as well. And in terms of your expect expectations before mm. you eventually kind of started training and, and now that you finished, mm. what do you think is different? Like, do you think you had different expectations or um, how would you kind of reflect on that? Specifically training on the doctorate, do you mean? Or? Um, training on doctorate and also kind of maybe that whole journey as well, like you're saying, yeah. the whole process of conversion and everything. Yeah, I mean... I think I think I thought by now I'd be more of an expert. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think a lot of the uh, I, and I suppose I'm thinking about the doctorate itself, but um, you know it's really true when when you 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 read about and hear that you're kind of you're 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 being trained to be a generalist and you you have a real breadth of training in terms of working mm. through the lifespan and working with a huge range of different presenting problems and I think I had perhaps a naive expectation that um, certainly, you know, because I obviously had to do the conversion beforehand. And, you know, by the time I got to the end of the doctor, I thought, I'll, you know, I'll be a much more complete um, <laughs> clinician in terms of knowing exactly what I was doing and, you know, and feeling really, um, really qualified. And actually, I think part of the process is, is sort of undoing some of those expectations, perhaps, and and kind of learning to realise what you don't know. And mm. it's more about developing a process of um, critical thinking and, and hypothesising and asking questions and, and um, yeah, and just holding different perspectives, I think, um, that is, is probably much more beneficial, actually, in the end. Um, I'm trying to think of other, um, other expectations I had. Um, I mean, I think I, I, throughout I was... I was aware and expecting it to be a juggle and it to be hard work. Um, and I think that those expectations were absolutely met. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I, think, I think it was, I didn't have a clear um, idea of really where I wanted to end up working. Um, and I think that was quite helpful in terms of having quite an open mind. And I certainly was surprised along the way in terms of, um, I was actually surprised how much I ended up enjoying the research element of the, oh really oh wow process, um, which was not something that I was thinking I would be particularly um, uh, kind of that wasn't necessarily the driving force in terms of why why I wanted to get involved in 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 psychology it was very much thinking about the kind of the the yeah, same year. <laughs> yeah. yeah which because. I think is you know is 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 probably the, the case for a lot of people not everyone but a lot of people mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear about what your expectations are. I know. I think very similarly to you, um, the whole thing about like thinking you would know more than thinking you would be like, you know, I know, like you said, it's a very general thing. Mm. Um, but even before training, obviously, I haven't started like completely, completely yet. But um, I think I was even, I made a post about this, about like feeling a bit like a a bit of imposter syndrome sort yeah. of thing about almost like well why am I here now <laughs> like you know you the same thing I've been enjoying the journey so much that now I'm here I'm like oh oh I'm actually here like mm -hmm. how did I get here yeah. um am I really like ready for this like am I qualified enough and I think what triggered it off for me like recently is obviously hearing everyone applying this year mm -hmm. and then hearing other people's experience and then thinking oh my gosh I don't have that much experience like how yeah. comes they picked me you know yeah. um and I think it's that whole thing about 
feeling as though you need to have like this big piece of experience and like mm. all of this research before you start but really it is a process it's a journey once you're on it's yeah. it's about still learning and developing like you said critical thinking skills and just being that keyword reflective and all your experiences and stuff and I think that's something I'm just trying to accept now and think okay I might have thought that I would have been like doing something else at this point, maybe because I had thought the doctorate was so far away. But now I'm here. I'm really happy I'm here and I'm going to enjoy it while I am like training. So I think that's been my expectation. But I've quickly squashed that because I was like, you know what? I know if I go in having this expectation that maybe I'm not um, like as I don't know, not qualified, but not as um, like developed or I don't know and um, then maybe I might start to feel really like um yeah like have that imposter syndrome even more strongly so I thought you know let me just deal with that now because I know I deserve the place not in like a conceited way but you know I know I did work hard and Absolutely. things like that um but yeah so I think that was my expectation yeah and I think even from really undergrad I, with yeah I, I... yeah <laughs> from undergrad I think I didn't expect how long it would take as well I think that's a big yeah. thing but you know it is about enjoying it because I really have um even one of my placements um I mentioned this in the podcast before but um when I was in the IAP service Mm. uh, that you also was working in as well and so I was like oh that's so nice because like uh, I didn't even think (laughs) to um kind of approach that kind of service to get work experience or volunteering Mm. experience but that's one of the kind of key things that kind of came up through our mentorship is you know giving me different perspectives on different things that I didn't even think of um so that's one of actually let's kind of go into that actually so one of the benefits I think was um that specifically being able to have like a different set of eyes to kind of say okay maybe try this or maybe mm, tweak that or you know someone who's already a bit further ahead in the journey to kind of Mm. give you a bit more advice on things that they've done and know that oh no that's not necessarily like the best way to go about it and you know just having that person there Mm. um but I think also another thing that I found really helpful was when I was kind of like, oh, Natalie, I've got another like job application, but I don't really know. And then you're just kind of like help me tweak it as well. I think that was quite helpful to have someone that didn't necessarily know me personally in that way, because, you know, you can get friends and family to help edit your job applications. Mm. But having someone outside to help you, I think that really was helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that process of... Um you know thinking through because often you can be put off from applying for something if you don't think oh I haven't got exactly the same experience Mm. but but often it's that it's that process of trying to um to think about how the the experience that you do have could potentially be relevant for the specific role and it's always a process of redoing that that kind of reflective process for the, the doctorate application in itself yeah no exactly and I think I didn't know how to do that yet I was just like oh no I don't have this I don't have that yeah um but that was definitely something that I had to learn and think about yeah it's not necessarily having a list of different things but thinking about what you've learned and what you've gained from those things and how those apply to yeah. whatever you're going to be doing in the new role yeah. um, and I think what you're saying as well about IAPT because obviously yeah, that that was where I got my experience and 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 obviously, you know, there's so many different routes into um, mm. into clinical psychology now, or psychology more generally. Um, and you know, obviously, I ended up one path, and 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 you had some sim- similar experience as well. But I think you can kind of get hung up on the the idea that there's a particular route, um, yeah, particularly yeah. with the, the chat about kind of AP posts, and mm. um, and and I remember feeling quite 
put off by um or it finding it totally impenetrable to kind of get those kinds of positions um and certainly talking to as many people as possible to get different perspectives um because I only had one perspective I'm sure you yeah (laughs) many more and that's really important to get other people's as many things as possible in terms of things that you could be trying yeah that's definitely I think a really good thing to to kind of um, emphasize because it doesn't look one way Mm. there's so many different routes and so not maybe sometimes if you don't know about those different things then it means that you don't even think to try and apply to them but obviously speaking to different people gives you different perspectives and I guess what was your reasoning for being a mentor why did you decide you wanted to do that yeah uh, that's a really um lovely question actually um I think I mean I think it was it was important for me to do the particular scheme that I did um particularly because I you know as soon as I started I suppose getting some exposure to psychology as a a profession and then certainly by the time I got onto clinical training it became so apparent that the the profession itself was so you know predominantly white middle class women um and that didn't reflect the population that you know I mean particularly in London but 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 countrywide in terms of the you know the the diversity of the the population that we're serving and so you know and I and and talking to people and and you know and thinking about things like that and and uh, you know understanding kind of institutional barriers and and systemic racism and things like that you know it's it's yeah. it's really important to um to be doing everything to 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 kind of break down barriers so I wanted to to be working with a scheme that was um you know hopefully doing something in terms of in terms of increasing the diversity within the profession um and I I mean I think on a personal level I think kind of mentoring is is not that far away from actually what we do clinically um albeit but um (laughs) I suppose you know having having had the experience of of trying to break into a, a quite impenetrable profession um that you know as an outsider I certainly felt like an outsider from psychology when I started um, and I was helped a lot along the way by different people um, who gave their time and advice. I really wanted to be able to do that for, for other people. Um, and I guess there's something about, you know, feeling like maybe that you have um, a level of um, not expertise, but but some kind of knowledge that might be helpful for, for um, people, even just, you know, a year behind or a little bit further um, down the line in that journey. Yeah. Um, there's something about that that feels... Um, you know that feels useful and helpful so yeah I mean a variety of reasons but um I really enjoyed it you know it's it's about the relationship and it was um it was a pleasure working with you but um yeah yeah likewise yeah no I think it was really helpful um and do you did you have a mentor so you said you kind of didn't really have so along the uh, along the journey there were there were lots of people who helped I didn't have a I suppose I didn't have a formal mentor I wasn't on a scheme or anything but there were as I went along when I first started to sort of think about psychology I didn't know anyone within the field um but other than the therapist my own psychologist and she was yeah. she was absolutely amazing um as a role model but um but other than that I didn't know anyone in my family or in you know just in my social circle but um but as soon as I started getting some experience working on um you know kind of doing the masters you know you you start to be able to talk to people and then along the way there were a lot of people who gave me advice and gave my you know gave me their time did mock interviews with me and a lot of my colleagues even you know not even qualified um 
clinical psychologists, although there were a number of those who who gave me their advice, but but even people who were I was working with um, getting clinical experience um, who were a year or two ahead of me um, were so helpful in terms of you know sharing their um, their tips and advice. So it's not just kind of you can get help from not just I suppose formal mentors, but also you know yeah. all the people who are um, kind of working within the field and want to want to be working within the field. Um, yeah, no, I definitely have sense that as well. Like I think. There's two sides. I think sometimes you get the side where people hear about all oh, psychology is really competitive and everyone's really like closed off and no one's tell you anything. And then the side that I've kind of seen more so recently yeah. is people being really open and willing to share and support yeah. and help people. Um, and I think that's really nice to see that transition because I do think at the beginning it was a bit kind of competitive, mm. like perhaps in the barrel sort of mentality. But now it does feel so much more... Yeah. Um, welcoming especially for people who don't know what they're doing and trying to find their place um which is great because I think the reason why people were probably a bit more competitive or a bit more kind of closed off about sharing information yeah. is just because it is quite a competitive course and so then it becomes a bit more of like oh I don't want to give you a heads up in case it, it jeopardize my place sort of thing but realistically everyone has their own uniqueness to bring to um any job or any training or whatever it is so even if you do give a piece of advice to someone and you know it means that they get a job it doesn't mean that you're not going to get a job that is suitable for what you're going to do or you know it, it doesn't really mean that it is really it's a really nice thing to know that you can support people on their journey while you're also on it as well so right and actually you know I mean I'm not on a interview plan, panel or anything like that um at the moment but I I, I think you know my belief about kind of the way the decision making process works is I like the the point that you made about uniqueness it's about kind of one's own personal reflection the way one you know kind of as an individual you can um kind of display your thinking and present your ideas and so it's really important I think actually sharing information with other people and and learning from other people and being open and supportive of other people because when it comes down to it it's how you as an individual then um, kind of uh, processes that and can talk about the, the, the kind of themes that you yeah. might be might be talking in an interview for example um, and you're not really in competition with other people because it's it's about tapping into you and how things uh, you know how, how you translate those ideas and how you think and demonstrating your own thinking process and you can't you can't kind of you know um, uh, kind of copy someone else's style yeah, yeah. copy yeah it's unique just to jump in Levine um I was thinking as well is that it's one thing and I don't know whether what your experience was but um and I think I think I probably experienced this a bit myself but I've heard of other other people uh, particularly at kind of undergraduate graduate level there can be some um you know quite quite sort of um off-putting messaging about clinical psychology about how competitive it is and I you know I'm concerned about how how many people that might potentially put off people who would be really gifted um, or really committed or yeah. you know that, that really might have the skills that are um really valuable as in clinical psychology that aren't necessarily the ones that you get to demonstrate on a um an undergraduate psychology mm. course which is very academic um and I, I'm just worried about how many people are put off at that stage without really um you know and it, you can't get can't get away from how competitive it is um and that there, there, there are barriers out there um but um yeah I suppose I'm just concerned that about about 
and put off too early um, without, you know, kind of giving themselves a chance or or having the opportunities, um, you know, to, to get experience and to work out whether it's something that they really want to do and that they might be really good at. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that one because I, so mm. I did psychology and criminology. Um, so I don't know if this was mainly because I did a joint degree, but I didn't get told anything about, you know, mm. how to kind of progress my career. If I wanted to go into clinical, it was kind of just assumed that everyone wouldn't want to do yeah. it because it's too hard um, or it's too competitive or whatever kind of, you know, things you hear about it. So it is true. And and thinking back now, actually, um, from my cohort on my course, because um, I, I still mm. shared lectures with psychology, just straight psychology students. I don't think any of them have gone on to do anything in mental health or in um, or training. Yeah, there's only one girl I know who was interested and she was thinking about applying, but everyone else kind of went mm. off into different kind of fields um, just because there was like, well, I just did this now because I guess it's just something that's interesting yeah. to me, not that I can see a future in it because it's too hard, it's too long. Um, and it is true, maybe we should be thinking about how mm. we kind of send that message down even that mm. undergrad stage uh but yeah no that is a really good point and I was going to ask because we we spoke a bit about um the fact that yes it is a long journey and things and mm. we know it's application season coming up now but I was going to ask you if you had any top tips or any kind of recommendations for the applications um that are going to be written by yeah. many people I'm and sure it's a difficult one because every year goes past I'm further away from from myself um, and I'd be really interested yeah. <laughs> I can't remember like, what we talked about when when you were going through the process but um I mean I don't think any of this is is new and what you know it's probably just reflecting what I got told and I'm sure the kind of the the messaging but but really thinking through your experience whatever it is and I think you know kind of setting aside the, those thoughts of imposter syndrome at the, the you know while you're writing the application mm-hmm. um and and really just trying to think about the experience that you do have um and you know we talk about reflecting but what does that mean I suppose it's it's drawing on um you know trying to really pick out and explain what you learned um Mm. and and not necessarily just from a kind of a, a sort of a skills perspective um you know as much as possible trying to tie it into if you can, who you are as a person and and other kind of contextual factors about your life or about um, your identity. Um, And yeah, and I suppose sort of telling a story as much as possible, but weaving in obviously the, um, you know, the the direct clinical or research experience um, and how you have, you've developed kind of professionally and personally and, you know, obviously, the eye being on that you know it's a it's a professional application but but yeah I mean it's um it's an art as much as anything yeah. um I don't know you've probably got you, <laughs> you're pretty far it closer is. to the um having a successful application yeah, I don't know that's <laughs> I know it's weird so um mm-hmm. I've said this before I applied twice the first time I applied I got an interview but then that was like I cried in the interview (laughs) and then the second time around I applied um I got a place so I felt like there was um a difference in terms of what I learned in terms of the application process but I think also what kind of I took Mm -hmm. the most was from the interviews that's what I think really helped me um 
so when people talk about applications I, I do think yeah there are some things you definitely want to make sure you're doing but I think um when it comes to interviews I have a yeah. lot more kind of I things think. to reflect on because my first interview was very different from my second but, and I wonder I wonder how you know I I again I don't have um a kind of direct experience of um of that kind of um reviewing panel of of application forms um but I think certainly in terms of there are various rounds of of kind of um, filtering as to as to whether an application is put forward. And, I, you know, my suspicion is that the personal statement bit is only read and certainly in the last round of those um, those filtering processes. Um, you know, a lot of it is about do you do do you match the the criteria that the particular university or course has set down yeah. um and demonstrate demonstrating that on the front the front part of the form um and i think that's so important is is tailoring your app making sure you're applying to places where you meet the criteria rather than wasting the application in somewhere that yes that's so important yeah yeah because so many times and i think sometimes if um you don't realize there's little things like each university yeah, has like differences yeah. like small small differences um and you may be applying for somewhere where it's like it says a high two one but maybe they mean 67 percent, and another university can mean 65 and it's like little things like that just bearing in mind I think that's the number yeah. one thing I would say for the application just going through clearinghouse reading um but yeah, there was two questions actually I wanted to ask you because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I got these from Instagram um, that were asked to me. Uh, so one of them I've kind of answered kind of a little bit. Um, but the first one was, is it bad to have too many people read over your application? Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting one. Um, I, I, is it bad? I mean, it, it depends on you, doesn't it? Um I think, and it depends who you're asking to read over the application. I yeah. remember, <laughs> I remember having a bit of that experience actually, um, and it made me think about who. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't get too many people, I think, but I did. I remember giving a friend who, um, who isn't in in mental health at all, um, to read over it, and I remember finding that quite unhelpful because um, I think because of the this kind of style of the application. Um, you know there is an art to it and there is a you know it's it's quite psychology focused um and yeah. so people in other fields might um might be coming up from it from a very different perspective I suppose that said it can be you know it can be helpful as well because it can just be a subjective thing um I think um yeah I think I would be quite selective in terms of who you ask to um to comment because um and also and likewise you can get I think there's a, a style of kind of giving feedback on forms that can be more or, or less helpful um and also it depends how close to the deadline it is um yeah I would you know <laughs> particularly if you're gonna you know someone's gonna suggest you do a total rewrite um you don't want that the night before um um so I think I I would I would choose carefully and, and perhaps be more selective than just sending it to everyone you know um I don't know what do you think about that Levine yeah, I think that's the same sort of thing I would have. I think it is helpful to have people outside looking over it. So I had my mum, mm. of course, <laughs> she looked over my application. And I think the reason why that helped is because obviously she had been through this whole journey mm. with me. She's seen me do the job. She's seen me come home and like talk yeah. about this and that and reflect on things. So in a way, she kind of knew um, what I was speaking about. So even though she isn't in the field, she still kind of had an understanding. Yeah. So that was really helpful. And then I had some people who I know are just 
good at grammar <laughs> to read over um, my mm-hmm. application just to check like for gram- grammatical mistakes and things obviously I had yourself um but I didn't give it to too many people just because especially the first time round um oh and I also gave it to my supervisor at my workplace mm-hmm. at the time but I didn't give it to too many people just because I felt I didn't want too much pressure as well um because then everyone has a comment and then sometimes you don't want to lose yourself in the actual writing of it yeah yeah that's why I didn't give it to too many people but I do think it is helpful to have I would say not to put a number on it but I had about four people read Mm it um and that was just circumstantial Mm -hmm. just because they had availability Mm -hmm. and also that sort of like they knew me but Mm -hmm. um yeah I wouldn't necessarily give it to every single person that's ever met you just because it can become a bit overwhelming but um yeah I would I would agree with you Natalie about having slept for you um great okay the second one was how do you start writing which I was thinking oh my gosh I don't even know (laughs) Mm -hmm. how do you start writing um Mm. it is a really hard thing to start and I think I was saying to someone that the way how I literally started was I grabbed loads of little bites or little nuggets um quote-unquote from my job applications Mm. and I kind of did them hodgepodge of all of it um and then kind of tailored it a little bit then sent it to you and then kind of tailored it a bit more and then sent it to someone you know I kind of did it that way because I don't think I could have just sat down that blank page and start writing um I think it would have been really hard it just makes me think I remember the first because I I applied twice um and I remember the first application I did um I remember people talking about how you know it was really difficult to get everything in their personal statement and I had misread the um I can't remember how many is it how many characters characters yeah but I'd read it as words um, <laughs> so I did the first thing and I was, I was like oh loads of space I don't know why people say that <laughs> and then I realized luckily in time that I had um, made a massive error and I had to take it down to that number of characters um so I suppose I probably started by writing a lot more but I think um I think, yeah, thinking about, you know, obviously basing it on, you know, perhaps thinking about the points. It's, it, you know, how does, how does, you know, how does someone start writing a novel? I don't know, um, <laughs> but but I I kind of took it by thinking about maybe what the points I wanted to make um, first before I thought about how to write the sentences that would demonstrate that. Um, mm. And yeah, making notes and um, and certainly not trying to start kind of sitting down and just writing a beautiful um a beautiful essay um in one Mm. um but kind of taking little you know like like you know just making a a sort of notes um and to to think about all the things that you would want to emphasize and then thinking about how much how much space do I have and which you know uh, what's the priorities and um you know what do I need to say to 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 give enough of an explanation but without taking up too many words yeah, no, I really liked what you said about thinking about what you want to write first before writing it. Mm. Um, like, what do you want to convey? Because exactly. I think sometimes you can get into the habit of just listing what you've done. Mm. But if you're trying to convey a specific point, like yeah. a specific reflection, then you can just use your um, experience to evidence that instead of listening that first. That's a really good point, actually. So anyone listening, that's <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> what you know, one thing to hold in mind is thinking about you know at that point as you're applying and you're writing something, kind of what is it what's what's the kind of psychologist you want to be what's the kind of clinical psychologist you what do you think's really what do you value in terms of um how you are in that work um you know and trying to emphasize that um because that'll 
that'll give you as you know as personal and as as kind of a unique perspective as 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 possible yeah yeah really it's true and I think that's one thing I think I kind of picked up as I was doing the applications um, and just kind of that whole process is how much it's about you Mm. not necessarily because there will be people that have similar very very similar experience as you probably but it's you who are you how comes you're ready for training how well not even necessarily like ready because not everyone always feels ready (laughs) but you know what is it about you that means that you'd be really good on this course and it is a training course so you don't need to know everything straight away because you will be trained to, to kind of pick up things so that's a really good point there um but yeah Natalie so oh I can't thank you enough because I think it's been really helpful having you on today's episode and even just generally with the advice and the things that you've been able to help me with and um yeah this is I think I think I said it in another episode I was like oh I don't know what I would have done if Natalie never helped me but um honestly it's been really really great Um, it's been a joy to watch um to watch your progress and continue to do so uh, it's a really (laughs) exciting place but um yeah it feels like we just scratched the surface but um yeah really happy to to talk more or um yeah it would be great to have you on again definitely I think after I've done a like couple of weeks or maybe after first year I'll come back and mm. but that's <laughs> <laughs> this not what I thought or something yeah but... that, well, that would be interesting wouldn't it to yeah on and your or your progress during the doctorate and yeah. I remember um they were describing the kind of the the journey of through the doctorate and that has highs and lows as um as you'll discover and obviously <laughs> it's different but um you know it's not just one clear trajectory um it is um there are um lots of kind of challenges and and feelings where you're elated and feelings where you feel you know totally overwhelmed so um, it's great to know that though that you're going to continue with these podcasts throughout so yeah this is I was saying to uh, my friend the other day I was like these are like my reflective diaries because then I'll go back and I can read and or not read really listen back and think about how was I feeling at that time when I was talking about this and you know in a way but um yeah this is as much for other people as it is for myself so um I'm really like actually enjoying doing these but yeah Mm. we'll see hopefully we can check back in later on and kind of talk about where I'm at then but also, guys, if you're listening, could you please make sure that you're subscribed um, to the podcast wherever you're listening it on? So if that's Spotify, Apple, um, just make sure you're subscribed so then you'll know when there's a new episode out. And then there's also an Instagram page, Let's Check In Pod, where you can find more information about the podcast episodes and just general psychology stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Natalie. Okay. And I will speak to you all soon. Thank you. Bye.